Welcome to the Cockney Guide to Enlightenment podcast with me, Stephen Rosen. This is a place where we have deep conversations and find out what really makes people tick. I've been through a very deep journey in my own life from being a a nine-year-old in the early 70s selling stolen shoes down at Brick Lane to uh, a 22-year-old standing in a hotel room surrounded by drugs and bags of money uh, with uh, war in Lebanese militia. I have seen some interesting times in life and I changed all of that round and became a very successful businessman in the city of London and found that there was something missing. So this podcast is about going deeper underneath the surface of what we might think that we need in life. There's a rich uh, quality of life that we all can tap into and sometimes we have to just dig a bit deeper. So my story was lost in the Babylon. It's actually on Amazon now. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, please uh, share it with your friends. Please subscribe or just follow. And you can connect with me at Cockney Profit on social media. Let us know what you think of it and enjoy this episode. So welcome to the Cockney Guide to Enlightenment, the podcast. And today I've got Tracy Harvey with me. Uh, hi, Tracy. How are you doing? Hi, Steve. Nice uh, to be here. I know you're pretty nervous, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, so Tracy and I met, was it a couple of months ago? Or a it was actually bit? March this year. Was it March? Yeah. Wow. Wow, yeah. I didn't realise it was that long ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good sort of six months ago now. So A good six months, yeah. So uh, we met at a, a charity uh, launch for uh, a service called Harley's Space and I was uh, I was there as as a new patron to Charity Aspirations which is based in South End and it covers quite a few different areas but the area that we was launching this new service was for young people for young people who got you know needed support with drugs or addiction and and Tracy was there because uh, Tracy had had instigated the the service being set up because she lost her son, Harley. And maybe you could pick up the story a little bit just to let let us know. Yeah, so um, unfortunately I lost my son, Harley, in 2021 um, as a result of his um, addiction problems. And I probably had kind of a year of just not really knowing what, to do kind of thing how to cope as you know I suppose most uh, bereaved parents do um and my way of kind of coping was just to be on my own just walk I read a lot I was trying to sort of discover ways of you know sort of trying to make sense of it really yeah and then after about a year I kind of I realized I'd kind of isolated myself quite a bit so I decided that I would um, try and go back to work, not full time, but just to do a little something just so that I could almost kind of get back into the world because I'd been so isolated and on my own, apart from my um, sort of immediate family around me. That had been my way of kind of dealing with um, my grief. But I knew I needed to kind of, you know, just sort of stick my toe back in really to, to the real world out there because I've you know, I wanted to, you know, I didn't want that to be my life. I wanted to kind of, you know, start, just 
being sort of again, you know. So um, just coincidentally, um, through work, I had an email about some funding that was available for local charities um, that my company had. And um, just, you know, one of those kind of coincidences, just scrolling through Facebook one day, came across this charity, Aspirations, and um, I read about them and it said that they uh, were a day programme for people in recovery. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and I just thought, firstly, I didn't know anything like that existed. And then I kind of thought, I wonder what Harley's life would have been like had he found somewhere like that because he'd come out of rehab um, in January of, of 2021 and just had no support and nothing and, and knew nobody else in his situation. So it kind of got me thinking, um, you know, what a kind of what an amazing kind of thing it would have been. So I contacted the charity to say, you know, I've got some funding um, and also, um, you know, I'd like to sort of find out more about what they do, perhaps become involved. And I met Marie, who's the founder of the charity um, and some of the people that were on the day programme. And it was just a lovely kind of feeling of, of warmth being with these people and kind of realising that, that there were other people like Harley and they, and they were getting support and they were getting help. And kind of at that moment, the sort of the idea was, was born of um, Harley's Space, which was something similar but for young people because when Harley had been in rehab, he had only... There was only one other person of his age. He was 21 and there was only one other young person... And he found that, you know, there was lots of people that were older. It was quite unusual for people of his age to be at that stage where, you know, they'd kind of had enough. They'd reached rock bottom and they needed to go into rehab. Um, but, you know, I knew there must be other people around like that. So the idea was born for Harley's space. And I kind of became involved um, in sort of leading that and being around, you know, lots of other young people. And it's it's early days with it, but it's growing and it's um, it's difficult, it's challenging. Um, you know, it's brought up lots of kind of feelings and emotions um, that perhaps, you know, I would rather were buried, but anyway... Um, and it, it's it's a challenge, but it's something that I feel really strongly about because in my heart, I kind of think that maybe Harley's life would have been different when he came out of rehab had he had something like this um, and because he relapsed and that was um, that was kind of the reason that he that he died. Um, and so, yeah. That's kind of that's the story of Harley's space. Well, and it, and it's just such an inspirational story, and I just I, I keep thinking back to I mean that was the first time that I Marie asked me to be a patron of the charity, and without going into the whole backstory, you know, I knew Marie before she you know before she herself got clean and, mm. and, and established that and founded founded the charity, but. You know, when I remember walking in there and there's lots of people, most of them I didn't know, and I saw you and you just looked so dignified and, and just so kind of together. And I know because I spoke to you, you, you and, and Andy briefly afterwards, and I know that you was really processing what was going on there at that time. 
And but you're just your, your presence just really struck me, and I didn't even know who you was at that point. You know, I didn't realise that you was you was Harley's mum. Uh, but I just just thought, you know, wow, this this person is really interesting, and and there was just something about you, and and and, and reason and the reason, like you know, obviously I wanted to talk to you was because I want to kind of understand, and and for other people to to understand that you know. When you go through, you know, such a loss, such a loss, and I think, you know, it's. I, I'm not going to compare losses, but I think it's it's probably one of the the most difficult losses to uh, to to navigate in in life. You know, the loss of a child. But when you go through that sort of stuff, you know, how do you how do you get through it? How do you get out of it? And and not only you know you've got out of it, but you've created this amazing service that's you know taken on a life of its own you know so that's that's just incredible you know and 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 let's hopefully kind of you know you said you you had plenty of feelings that you you'd rather not you would have rather not sort of you know had to entertain or rather not feel for, for a better use of the word really but i think that's all part and parcel of uh of life isn't it is is actually allowing ourselves those feelings and yeah and i i think it's um you know when it happens and i and i can remember on the day that you know harley died and i can remember you know kind of people gather around and you know friends came around and family and i can remember sobbing to you know one of my oldest friends and saying how do i do this you know i don't know how to do this because that's, you know, once you've kind of actually processed what's happened, you kind of go, you know, what what do I do now? What is my life now? Because, you know, I'm I'm a mum, you know, and I'm still a mum because I have another son. But how how do I be this person that's a, you know, a bereaved parent kind of thing? How do I live with this new identity? And that's what it feels like. It feels all of a sudden like you have this new kind of, persona identity that you're now a bereaved parent you know and it's it's like a neon sign above your head did that feel like that was something that was real or did it feel like that you know because as you say that it's it's almost like you know that comes as part of the package of what's happened you know so it's I want to try and understand whether you know you had that impression of you know this is what I am and and this is the, the persona of what I am, or, or whether that just come from inside. And I think it kind of once you've sort of, you know, once all the dust has settled and the, the funeral's over, and you know, people just go back to their lives, and you're kind of stuck because that's what happens. You know, you you stand still and you just watch everybody else kind of getting on with their life, which they should, you know, but that's kind of how you feel you just feel like you're you're stood still and you've got everybody rushing past you and carrying on and I think that's when I kind of you know sort of said to myself this is this is what I am now you know this is this is my description you know I am a bereaved parent you know and everybody that I come into contact with you know I have to make a snap decision whether to tell them or not to tell them you know, and it's that thing where, you know, you meet someone for the first time and they say, how many children have you got? And you don't know what to say. Because if you say you've got, um, you know, one, but, you know, you had another one, or if you say you've got two, but one died, you know, whatever your answer, you, you always have to consider, you know, how you're going to kind of describe it. Um, 
But I think kind of what happened after a while was that I met quite a lot of other people through a support group um, who, who were in the same situation as me. You know, some of them had lost children years ago. Some were recent, some were older children, some were younger children. But it was a support group for people who all had that same loss, you know, which at the end of the day is is, is the same, whether you've lost a child through um, addiction or, you know, through a road accident or cancer or whatever. You know, we're all the same. But what I kind of realised was that we're all different in how we kind of see ourselves at that point and how we sort of, you know, let ourselves deal with it. And I realised that perhaps a lot of people were kind of almost giving themselves this identity of, you know, I'm, I'm a bereaved parent. And I sort of realised that I didn't want to, you know, be... Um, sort of defined by that I suppose if you like yeah, yeah. Um, you know I'd made a decision early on that I was gonna carry on my life because you know a lot of people have that moment where they go you know do I you know do I go the same way do I just follow my child kind of thing because I can't bear it because it is unbearable or do I try and live and I'd kind of decided that if I was going to live I was gonna you know try and have a a life that that meant something and that you know that my family and my son weren't always looking at me sort of thinking oh you know I wish mum would be back to normal of course I'm never going to be back to normal but you know I wish mum wasn't so sad or do, do mm. you know what I mean yeah um so did did they uh obviously you'd all everyone grieves differently but was there a process in line with yours or, or it kind of moved quicker, especially for your other son? I mean, obviously, I, you, I, I'm not asking you to speak for him, but just from your observation. Yeah, I know, mean, things were. I think I think people always put the focus on the mum because there is that kind of almost sort of invisible umbilical cord, isn't there, if you're, you know, the mum. Um, I'm divorced, so, um, you know, I can't really speak for Harley's dad. But... For me, at home, the attention, I think, was always on, you know, how was I? My son is really kind of... um, He's not very outgoing. He keeps a lot to himself. So I really wanted to make sure that, you know, I was sort of giving him attention, making sure he was okay, and he was always wanting to make sure I was okay. Um... And I kind of knew because I'd lost my brother when I was 21. My brother was 17 and he died from a, um, he was asthmatic and he had a really severe chest infection and, you know, very similar circumstances. My mum had gone in in the morning and, you know, he wasn't breathing and very similar to, you know, how I kind of found Harley. So, and I knew from, you know, what it was like at home, for us as a family, for, you know, me, my sister, my mum and dad, when my brother died, I knew what a kind of a household of grief was like. And it was horrible. And it was... I was constantly worried about my mum. I was constantly wishing that I could take my mum's pain away because I didn't want to see my mum in that pain because mm. I loved my mum, you know, and my dad. Um, so my first thought um, when Harley died to his brother Jude was... I'm I'm just going to try and make things better for him 
than it was for me um, when it happened in our family. And that was always kind of uppermost in my mind that he wouldn't kind of have that same experience. Now, if you spoke to him, I don't know what his experience would be. Um, but I think he, two years down the line, I think we're kind of, as a as a threesome, because that's who lives at home, me, my husband and my son, I think we're, we all look after each other in the way that we all kind of think we need to be looked after. So um, we're, we're kind of getting along okay, but it's hard to say because I don't think my son would ever reveal, you know, what his true feelings are for, you know, because he thinks he would upset me, so... Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And, and I suppose, you know, that that what you said there about you wish that you could have took your mum's feelings, and, and that's something that we... You know, in love, I think you, you that's how you feel, but, you know, we can't ever take anyone else's feelings, can we? I think it's always easier to deal with your own pain than to watch someone else. I've, I've always found that. Mm. It's always that thing of if you hurt someone in a relationship, it's almost easier to deal with your own pain than watch someone else in pain, isn't it? And I think it's the same with with grief. It's so It's really hard to watch somebody else, you know, suffering... Um, whereas with your own pain, you can kind of, you feel like you've got control of it, don't you? In a way. I, su- I suppose, yeah, it's a really interesting interesting thing to to kind of bring up, isn't it? But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I always found, I, I was the opposite, really. I mean, I, I had to learn how to empathise with other people. And, and I was, you know, eventually after I'd kind of learned to do that, I was I was able to then apply that formula to myself so for me it was yeah it was I could empathize with people and I was cut off from my own stuff but you're you're, you know you're saying the opposite but it's hard to to see people that you love and care about it is and Um, sometimes I feel I almost feel kind of sometimes it's it's easier for me than it is for my husband because you know I can't imagine if it was the other way around um, because obviously he's Harley's stepdad, so he has that kind of, you know, detachment that you naturally you have with your stepchildren. You know, you don't have that same, you know, love. And sometimes I think it's hard for him to kind of watch me and feel totally, you know, sort of powerless, really. Um, which is, you know, is what you are with someone else's grief. You can't, you know, you can't do anything and you can't get inside their heads. And I think sometimes, again... It, sometimes I think it's harder for him than me because I'm kind of, yeah, you know, I, I sort of feel more in control of it. Um, yeah. But I, I, I don't think, perhaps not everyone's like that, perhaps that's just a, a personal thing. But, yeah, I think sometimes to watch someone kind of feeling for you is is hard. Yeah, I think, I think it is difficult and I think it's... Uh... The waters get quite quite muddy, don't they, around all of that stuff? And I think it's really, you know, so important just to be able to allow people their pain and their space and, you know, their process as well. But, you know, when you're in your own and, and, and then you're watching someone close to you in, in that same process but from a different point of view, mm. a different perspective, it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really, and, and the way you, you you described your family, how you kind of look after each other, 
was really beautiful, I think, because that sounds like, you know, within that space, there's, there's room for everyone to be who they are and to feel how they do. And I know you said that, uh, that your son was, was, was possibly, you know, not showing his true feelings, but you know, who, who knows, you know, everyone kind of doesn't, you know, operate the same, does it? I think it- when they come to expressing how they feel. Yeah, I mean, I think at, at 21, when I lost my own brother, as a 21-year-old, I I remember just having this feeling of, obviously, you know, complete sort of sadness because I, you know, I loved my brother, I was, I was close to him. But also as a 21-year-old, just remember wanting life to get back to normal. I just, I couldn't bear the sort of, you know, what it had done to everybody and, you know, to, to what it had done to life at home and, you know, without, you know, being callous kind of thing. I just, you know, at that age, I just wanted life to get back to normal and, you know, in a way I hope that's the same for for my younger son, that he, you know, just wanted to be who he is and just sort of see his friends and, you know, and he's really lucky because he's got a, a great, group of supportive boys that he's known since junior school and I was so grateful of that because they were all so lovely um so he's always had a really good sort of you know network of 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 boys around him that I think just kind of you know sort of swaddled him up for a while and Mm. just you know allowed him to to be but yeah I and I just hope that you know because we all do kind of you know try to be you know, positive and sort of upbeat most of the time. Um, I think that's what I would have wanted kind of thing. So I just I just try and be as, as positive and, you know, kind of cheerful as, as I can with him. And, and I think he kind of appreciates that and that sort of makes him breathe a sigh of relief because he's kind of like, mum's okay, you know. Yeah, I think what, what's really striking and impressive in 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 your process of grief that you know you you'd already learned that that lesson from your own childhood of of you know losing a brother and and just you know making an allowance for that in in your process even when you know you was obviously as as a mother who's lost a son who's suffering you know you you're already processing that other stuff that you know this isn't just all about my my pain and my grief and it's and I think that's uh, that's probably what separates you from from and, and this is by no means a judgment on on anyone else, but from maybe some of those other parents who have got stuck with that that particular persona of being, you know, the the bereaved parent or or the parent who's lost lost a child and 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 goes through life, you know, with that identity and and, and that's really really important. I think that that people can see that you know there is there's a mechanism for that and and it's going to be different for everyone you know there's no set of like there's no rule book for this kind of stuff is there it's it's you know everyone's processing stuff on a different level there there isn't and it's all about you know what you want kind of thing you know what what do you want your life to be like and if you if you want your life to be you know that that you every moment and every day is about you know your the child that you lost then that's that's your choice you know and that's that's how you get through it but I think sometimes you can you can almost bring that suffering on by immersing yourself in it and 
of course you have to grieve you know for as long as as, as you do and you know there will be times when you're just fully immersed in it constantly you know 24/7 you just can't you know your brain will not stop you thinking about it you can't stop the tears but i think you can actually you know sort of almost talk yourself into you know just being more positive and just just realizing that nothing absolutely nothing is going to change what's happened and once you accept that that's the only way you can ever I'm not going to say move on because I you know that's not what you're doing but that's the only way you can go forward in your life just to realize that you know you can spend all day just in a dark room you know crying and just you know immersing yourself in grief and nothing is going to change what's happened nothing's going to bring your child back and you know and I don't mean to sound you know callous when I say that and I don't sound callous at all absolutely not and I'm not judging other people for doing that because some people that's just what they've got to do and that's the only thing that they they know and that kind of it's almost becomes a comfort in the end that that is who they are you know, and once you kind of have this new kind of persona of, of what you are, then, you know, there are some, you know, if you like, benefits to it kind of thing, you know, once you... There's a payoff somewhere. There is a payoff yeah. for it, you know, whether that's, you know, I never have to cook a dinner again because, you know, someone's looking after me because of what happened. It sounds stupid, but of course there are things that, you know, happen once the death of a child, you know, happens that change everything you know Mm. um but you know I can remember talking to a woman it was the first Christmas after Harley had died and I was just just dreading it and just you know thinking I just I don't know how I'm going to do this and spoke to a woman and she said oh you know my son died 12 years ago and nothing ever changes you know it's it's, it's Christmas is always the same, you know. There's always a seat, you know, an empty seat at the table. It's always like this. It's it gets worse every year, and I just thought, I don't, I don't want to believe that, you know. I don't want to think that in ten years' time I'm going to be sitting here saying the same to someone who's, you know, a year down the line or two years down the line. I just thought, no, I'm not. I don't want to be that person, and I know I don't have to be that person. No, you. I think you you realised and, and and you've you know you're demonstrating that you know you become conscious of the choices that um, that you're making and and even those choices that some people make not to move on and to to stay in that for whatever reason you know for whatever reason it is uh, I think once you demonstrate that that choice and you know acceptance was was something that you said is essential and. I think acceptance is, you know, it's just such a, a key, isn't it, to to moving on with life and 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 to stop that resistance about uh, of what's happened or or what the situations or circumstances are. And but, of, yeah, and of course, you you know, talking about acceptance and you know, of course, you know, I've been through the guilt, you know, the what ifs, you know, all those things that you go through you know you you go through in minute detail the days leading up to what happened you know the the weeks the months the years the childhood you know everything you know I've gone through from you know the minute he was born you know what I did wrong and then you just come to a point where you just think 
how much longer am I going to do that and cause myself that suffering because nothing is going to change what happened. So I can either do that and blame myself and blame other people and, you know, think about what should have happened or I can just say it, it's happened and it happens to loads of people and I just, there's nothing I can do about it. Is that... You know, it sounds like obviously there's a process of moving through that grief and, and, and when you were talking about being in that grief and being, you know, maybe in, in a dark room and locked in a dark room in that pain and, uh, you know, was was there an allowance for you to be there? Did you allow yourself to be there? It wasn't like you was resisting being there? or I did and I think that's probably what has kind of got me here, you know, to sort of how I feel today is because... I just, you know, I, I said that I, obviously I, I was alone a lot of the time because that's just, for me, I, I do a lot of processing when I'm on my own. I'm not someone that likes being surrounded by people um, very much, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but no, for, for me, in my grief, I, I, I just walked. I just, and I just told myself, all I can do is put one foot in front of the other and I just walked and walked and walked and just spent a lot of time alone. And I just let myself have those dark thoughts. You know, I let myself kind of read about other tragedies, you know. And it was almost like a kind of a sort of learning experience of, well, I've got to get through this. So how do I do it? And I knew that part of that was, was having to feel it. So I, you know, I felt the grief when it came and I knew that it would, you know, there would be moments when it would pass and then I could breathe again. And then I knew that, you know, there'd be weeks, days, months where it would come back with a vengeance. But every time it, it came, I knew from experience that I would get a, I would get respite from it. And it was, you know, those moments that I sort of, you know, live for. And, you know, it's still the same now. You know, I can have weeks where I'm, I feel really strong and I feel really positive and, you know, full acceptance. And then I can just wake up one day and not want to get out of bed. So, mm. you know, it's, it's no, it's by no means, you know, my way is by no means a, a perfect way to kind of, you know, I'm no sort of grief guru. I don't think there is a perfect way I think it's it's whatever works for for the person and, and and you know really it's really valuable what you're sharing about how you express your grief and how you allow yourself your grief because I mean I you know I haven't I thank thank goodness I've not lost a child but I've lost people you know mm. close people people I love and when I lost my nan when I was young you know I wasn't able to grieve I mean I just suppressed it yeah, I had lots of other stuff going on but as as I've come come into a place where I can feel again you know and, and I started accessing that grief and sometimes it comes at times and and it, you know and I feel the pain of that loss and and but I also in the experience of feeling that I also feel beauty that I'm, I'm able to feel that stuff and and process that stuff as as you know for, from coming for a place where I never could mm. it's like you know this is although this is painful this is quite quite beautiful that this is part of the experience of life mm. and uh 
And I think, uh, and it sounds like what you're saying as well, I'm uh, certainly, you know, not going to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like, you know, you just, you've got such an acceptance over over the loss and, and over life as well because it's about you know it's it's about moving on it's about life and uh I think it's it's also about kind of knowing yourself and I suppose at you know the age of nearly 60 I, you know I think I know myself and I think it's you know having experienced you know lots of things that you you do by this age you know death divorce marriage children you know all those you know things um I think knowing myself has really helped a lot because it then kind of almost fast tracks you into knowing what what's good for you or what's right for you. Um, and like I say, for me, it's it's not about surrounding myself with people. Whereas you know, some people will say, "I oh, I can't be alone. I can't feel like this," and that's that fear of those feelings. Yeah. I think because I'm not scared of my feelings. That's why I, I feel kind of able to do it on my own because I don't need anyone to plug those kind of gaps. Yeah, and I think that's what, you know, maybe that's what I saw in you when I saw you standing there. I saw just someone who who had resources and had a presence and I couldn't really... But as you're describing it, I'm thinking, mm. well, you know, that's... that. And, and, and just to say that, you know, to know yourself is... I've done a workshop yesterday, as, as you know, you know, and... Uh, and, and the kind of basis around the workshop was was one question of who am I, and 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 we worked through sort of like you know the personas that we maybe project ourselves to be, and kind of letting those fall and seeing what's underneath. And you know, you was talking about the personas of some of the, the people in that group mm. earlier on, but you know, it's it's rare, it's rare that people really know who they are and, and allow themselves to be who they are, allow themselves their feelings, you know, their likes and dislikes, you know, you're quite comfortable in, in, in not being surrounded by people or you're quite comfortable in, in you know, your, with your own company, with, with yourself. And I think that's such a big, big sort of thing to have in, in this life, you know. It's, uh, and it may sound crazy when I'm talking about it, but... I think there's so many people. I was. I gave my sister a lift home after, and she was like, you know, she said, "I've been scratching around on the surface of this gear for 25 years now." She said, "I know that I've got stuff and, and which stuff that I don't want to go to, you know, and I know I've got you know stuff around our mum and stuff like that." That she gets really, you know, she's got a lot of baggage that I've kind of processed and let go of. But I think it's the hard that you know the parents thing is, you know, especially. You know, I suppose kind of, you know, for us, like growing up in the 70s, that, you know, things were so different, weren't they? You know, I think we've probably all got parent issues in, in you know, one way or another. Um, and that, you know, that's hard. And, and, you know, sort of just really realising that you can't, you've kind of got to forgive that because they didn't know any better, you know, for all the things that, you you know, you have to sort of try and forgive them for. It's just because they didn't know any better. But it's still hard to actually you know kind of do that 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 kind of forgiving thing you know but um yeah I just and, and I don't think it's um you know it's not because I'm you know clever or you know I'm so emotionally intelligent or anything like that I think it's just the way I am I think I've just always felt easier kind of being able to process things on my own um I was a single parent for years with my two boys um and happily so, you know, I didn't ever 
didn't ever have that sort of need for somebody else. And, you know, when I met my husband, it was, um, you know, it was two people coming together just because, you know, they liked each other, you know, Mm. rather than a need that some people have, you know, which is, you know, whether that's financial, whether that's, you know, emotional or whatever. Um, So, yeah, I think I've kind of always been that way that I just... I just always think I do better on my own unless somebody is kind of also as good on their own. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So kind of, you know. Have you done, have you kind of like, is that a natural process for you or have you done work on that stuff? Have you looked at yourself and and kind of? No, no, I just think I'm old and I know myself. (laughs) 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 No, the only, I mean, I've had, I've had therapy, which is grief therapy, and that's only in the last two years. Um, but that was just to process, or to you know, to try and make sense of, you know, the sort of complicated issues of, you know, Harley's death because of his addiction, kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and you know, that's been helpful and and you know, quite sort of inspirational um, from a point of view that you know, I think what therapy can do. I don't know, I suppose you would, you know, years ago you would call someone a loner or whatever, you know, just someone that prefers being on their own. I'd call people all sorts of things <laughs> years ago. <laughs> but I think, I don't think it's so much that. I, I would say, my husband la- would laugh at this, that I'm just intolerant of other people, so I prefer to be on my own. But I think it's done me well because, um, it, you know, there's not a need. I, I, don't, I don't have that need of other people. I think that's, that's a, a crucial word that you've... That you've re re reiterated a few times there about need and 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 not you know i think that need comes from a lack of 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 self doesn't it a lack of kind of being comfortable with yourself in whatever in whatever area but well it's and it's the same i suppose you know for for an addict who you know as you would know, has has almost like a something to feel, you know, something oh, absolutely, that's... yeah. We haven't got enough time to talk about. No, <laughs> exactly. That's another but, podcast. But yeah, no, but yeah, yeah, you're you're right. You know, I absolutely, think that's yeah. you know that's just kind of you know a real exaggerated kind of you know like an insatiable need. I would describe you know a, you know an addict. You you would know better than me, but well, I mean, for me, that was you know, addiction was just part of a solution for me yeah. to a, to a much deeper problem. But the problem was was that it was like not having any sense of, no. of connection with myself, no. with my deeper self. And you know what I I'm kind of getting the impression from you is you've naturally always had that connection with yourself. And I I mean you know I've. I wouldn't have thought about it in that way um but me maybe it is that you know maybe that is it is just a natural thing and that's it's definitely not because I had you know a perfect childhood or you know totally not you know and like I say I experienced death you know at a very early age and I think I mean my 20s I spent I, I would say kind of trying to avoid relationships with, with men because I told myself that I I was never going to have children because I didn't want to go through what my mum had gone through by losing a child. So I think I spent most of my 20s just, you know, almost sort of pushing people away because I didn't want to get in that situation. And then got into my 30s and was in a relationship and then had that need that I suppose, you know, a lot of women, probably, you know, 90% of women have, you know, I want to have children. 
so that so that that experience of your younger life in your 20s you know that was you was just trying to avoid that I, I was trying to avoid that pain yeah, I, yeah, I, because what yeah. I saw in my mum I didn't think I could handle and you know how, <coughs> how weird is that <clears throat> come full circle sorry you drink so <coughs> Yeah, so come full circle, and I did experience the same thing. So that thing that I'd been trying to avoid, what what are the chances of that? I experienced it, but in a totally different way to what I saw, you know, how, how my mum dealt with it. Yeah, but in, in a way, what I was, I, was, I was trying to establish, obviously, these things that happen in our lives do have an impact and, and they kind of then direct the way that our lives went and, and that was a great example of, of you being directed from that one experience of, of how you wanted your life to, to go and what you didn't want in your life. And then and, and then obviously there was a process of, of change within that, you know, so you, you process that that particular event and, and, and how it how it kind of steered your life and, and that's really interesting and I think that sounded like it was a natural process of, of you know okay I've, I've really been trying to avoid this but actually it's part of the natural way that life goes and yeah I think you just kind of you know in the end just think oh you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna give into this because you know I, it's it's a it's a kind of desire in me that I I, I want to fulfill and it's stronger than than the sort of the fear, the fear yeah. of you know of oh I will lose a child kind of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, and then you sort of think, did my fear bring it on? Which you know is is another sort of conversation. You know, did I actually make that happen? But yeah, I don't. I don't. I think you know we can, as you say, you can go to all sorts of levels yeah. of of questioning ourselves and life and. You know, and we're just to a massive extent powerless over most things, aren't yeah. we? And and we kind of go through life, and and we can make these choices, either conscious or unconscious, and we can try and hedge our bets to some extent that you know, with the element of control, maybe based on fear that you know we can hedge our bets. But and it's know. that thing, isn't it? It's that power, powerless thing that you. Um you know that I that you do in the twelve steps kind of thing. You know that you just have to accept that you're just literally powerless over. You know, you know if it's addiction that you know whatever substance it is, but in life you are you are just powerless against you know what other people do and you know things that happen. You know you you're powerless to to the things around you and the people around you. But you, what you're not powerless to is is you know your kind of reactions and how you you know you move sort of forward or whatever you know move move through them yeah you're, you're not powerless if if they're conscious if you bring them into mm. the consciousness which obviously is is an i think an important factor of that because i think lots of people do unconsciously just go through through life you know based on on, on conditioning on belief systems and stuff that's happened in the past and fears and all that stuff but powerlessness is uh you know, it's rare. It's rare that that people 
you know, actually understand that, yeah, you know, all of this gear is like beyond my control. And people will try and exert their control mm. over things. So either know. that or, or, you know, people feel that they're victims, you know, that it's, um, you know, everything happens to them. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's sort of a dangerous kind of persona to have as well, you know, that you're a victim all the time because, um, yeah, I think that kind of brings on sort of, you know, a bad kind of energy almost that, you know, you're, Things happen to you all the time, you know. It, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, May, maybe, maybe there is that law of attraction that that's, that sort of stuff can you can attract stuff. But I think that you know that's just maybe it's just another coping mechanism, isn't it? You know, just a way of looking at it. Yeah. That, you know, I've got no responsibility. In yeah. This, but all these things are happening to me. And yeah. Why know, me? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 it's just you know without being judgmental because a lot of people you know process stuff differently but it's it's kind of it's it's like a manipulation in a way isn't it it's just you know once another element of control really yeah. just just the one of many sort of variants of, of that scale and yeah I think it's really refreshing to speak to someone who hasn't you know done a lot of therapy work or done a done loads and loads of work who've just as naturally got these processes that are just so freeing you know and, and obviously you know you you're moving on with your life and and you're engaging in life you know and you're living you know because we're all here to live aren't we you know regardless of everyone else's lives and everyone else's journeys you know we can only really only live our own as much as we can you know want to be involved in other people's journeys but you know that's such a, a refreshing realization that you know there's 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 people out there that really you know have gone through a lot of stuff and i think i think you know the more pain that we go through i'm not saying you know this is you you need this to qualify no. the more pain you go through in life you know the, the stronger you can love the the stronger you can just you know experience what is what is this life you know but i mean if, I, I became obsessed at one point by reading books about um you know jewish people that had been in the concentration camps um you know these these amazing old people that you know have survived and into their 90s you know and they'd been in you know auschwitz and everything and i just became obsessed by reading about them and and just you know their strength and how you know how did they you know, get through something so bad, you know, where they may have seen their parents murdered and, you know, they had years of kind of this this awful kind of life. Um, and, it, and it does fascinate me, you know, other people and how, you know, how bad life can get and how people can kind of rise above, you know, what what's happened. So, you know, that was another thing I think helped to, you know, to know there were people that had been through terrible, terrible things, but they was, you know, still standing and still, you know, writing books and, you know, giving talks and doing this and doing that and helping people through their own experience, you know, like you. That And I think I said to you, you know, when I met you or, you know, maybe, um, you know, after that, you know, your book fascinated me because it was that kind of, 
almost like triumph of, of the human spirit kind of thing, mm. which is what I find so fascinating in other people. Um, because I just, I think it's, as you say, it's, it, it's, you know, there are a lot of people that kind of are, don't sort of, you know, choose that sort of path. And I think when you, you know, when you hear about people that have kind of, you know, triumphed over something so, you know, so painful and so bad. Um, it's, yeah, I just, I, I find it fascinating. I think it's really, it is fascinating. It's really interesting. And, and, and all of those examples you put, that, that you know, these people that you've come across, obviously they've put their experience out there, which is what we're doing here, you know, and, and what you're doing is, is you know, taking your whole process and, 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 and actually going, well, this is really valuable. This is valuable lived experience. And and what can I do with it? You know, and, and it's just, you know, starting Harley's space, you know, just this is what I can do with it. I can create something quite beautiful out of, of, of this trauma, of this pain. And and I think that's, yeah, it's so impressive, isn't it? When, when, when I kind of read these books or... I meet people and, and they don't even have to be people who have had terrible experiences. They're just people, normal people, just getting through life and, and, and getting through the everyday stuff. And, and at the end of the day, you know, finding a smile or finding, a, you know, something to be grateful for. You know, I think that's just so, so inspirational. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, because it is, most of the time it is a choice, isn't it? Because... It is so easy to just sort of say everything's terrible, you know, life is terrible, you know, nothing's ever going to be better. But the only way you can change it is sort of internally, isn't it? Because, you know, what's out there is what's out there, you know, it's, you know, no one's happy with what's out there at the moment. But it's, that's why, you know, the only way you can sort of, you know, change things is, is internally kind of thing. And that's, you know, where sort of, you know, this uh, talking about, you know, sort of the people in concentration camps. There was a there's a lady. Um, I think she's still alive. I think she's about ninety six, and she writes in her book about how she was asked to. Um, cause she was a dancer. She was only about fifteen, I think, when she was first. I think in Auschwitz, and she was asked by the um, this German sort of commander to um, to dance for him. So she was dancing. Um, you know, in front of all these Nazis and in her head, you know, she was dancing at the ballet in London kind of thing and that's how she, that, that was how she got through it. Yeah. And, you know, things like that, I think that's just so powerful that you could, you know, you could turn that sort of inward to yourself that, you know, that would kind of get you through it. To I find think. some freedom in that level of captivity. Exactly. And that level of control. That's exactly yeah. it that, you know that the fact that he's standing there and you're, you know, you're being told to, to dance, but in your head, you're just freely moving about, you know, on a stage somewhere and just loving every minute of it. It's I mean, that's, that sounds, that, that is really beautiful. And I, I've kind of, as you were saying that, I've got my own experience of that, but not from, you know, from actually being incarcerated. I was in, in jail at the time and uh, I'd got, caught trying to get so I was in in there for drugs and I got caught trying to get some drugs in and uh and, and they hadn't got these drugs but I can remember being kind of marched to the block 
and I'm in prison, you know, I'm waiting for a trial for, for some drugs stuff and, uh, and, and they've got me and they've got me for this other thing, you know, they haven't actually got the substance, but I can remember just, just walking, thinking that you haven't got me. And, and, th and that, was, that was interesting because the part of me that really should have cared about me wasn't there. So that was my, uh, my kind of assessment of why I felt like that. But for her, it, it, it could have been something very, very different. But That's strange, isn't it? Yeah, the way that, you know, you can sort of, like your sort of reason for it was something sort of probably completely different, but still had the same effect that it kind of separated you mm. from, you know, what was actually happening the, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. The reality you still, of the you, circumstances. Yeah, you still felt free in your mind kind of thing, you know. Yeah. That's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I think we can create our own realities and, and then for them two guards who was walking beside me and, and then Nancy's, you know, who had that girl captive, you know, their their perception of that would have been something different. They would have felt maybe powerful or in control. Yeah. And, and then she's dancing, but she's on stage yeah. and... I'm getting marched to the block, but I'm, you yeah. know, they haven't got me anyway because yeah. they can't have me. You know, yeah. it's just, and we're all experiencing different realities in within this same scenario. But that's a, that's I think quite unusual for you because I'm assuming you were like quite young at the time. I was young, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, that's quite I think unusual. I was seven. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you know that's quite sort of you know profound sort of thinking for. You know, someone probably, you know, whatever you were sort of thing, maybe early 20s, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. But it, I think that just shows that, you know, it's it's all about what's, you know, what's up there and what you, you tell yourself, you know. it's Your reality is just what you you tell yourself at the time. It is. I think, I think our realities, and, and this was part of what I was working on yesterday in the workshop, was, you know, how we can create our realities. And, and you said earlier, you know, all, all we've got is th the choice of our actions and what we can do and how I can put one foot in front of the other and move forward through things. And, and, and you know, I created re the realities that I, 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 I kind of created was because what I thought I needed to be. And, and maybe there was false realities. There was realities, but they was kind of like, wasn't based on... They was based on control, really, based on what I felt safe with. But uh, I think realities are just perceptions, aren't they? It's just how we perceive, you know, I mean, your reality might be different to mine as we're sitting, <laughs> as we're sitting here. And uh, I think it's, 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 it's kind of what information comes in to us, how we see that, and, and not only how we see it, it's like how we filter it through the lens of our experience you know our beliefs our conditioning all of that stuff comes in and it goes through this whole process of what we've got inside us and then a reaction comes from that you know based on whatever that is and then so what goes out you know what the reality that we create or we're perceiving is is been kind of laundered through our own process so i find that incredibly interesting and that's and literally what you've just described all happens in seconds doesn't it It does yeah so yeah. you know information you know all goes into you and like you say all your conditioning all the patterns that you know you've sort of learned over the years and then a reaction comes out all based on that and that's and it's mainly unconscious it is yeah 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 
But when, when you know, obviously, you know, when, when people like you uh, and, and, and people like me who, who have got a level of consciousness, and I'm not saying other people haven't, but, you know, I can just tell by talking to you, you know, the stuff that's going in, as, as it's going in, it's not going in blind. I'm kind of processing what's going in. I'm processing what's happening. And I'm sort of thinking, ah, oh, that bit's the ego's maybe pulling that bit over that way and we need to get a balance on this. And So then, you know, I've kind of like removed a lot of that conditioning, I suppose, and I, and I feel that you, in your natural process of life, have gone through life and, and certainly removed conditioning, you know, removed that stuff from earlier life that that kept you locked into a certain pattern for a, for a long time and then, you know, then that's gone and you've moved forward. And I think once we... Move, remove this conditioning or, or, or become aware of it and then let it go you know we get freer so we we're just uh we get you know we get to perceive things and I, I'm, I'm as i'm saying it you know actually as it is but who knows actually as it is you know if you look at but it's i think it's it's hard because we all have these kind of patterns inbuilt don't we that are from you know, our upbringing, our families kind of thing. And that I think that lasts for a long time. I think I would say, you know, not probably till I was in my 40s did I sort of really kind of let go of a lot of sort of stuff, really. Because I think, you know, we are just all, a, you know, a result of of our kind of upbringing for a long time, aren't we? We, we can be, yeah. yeah. We can be a product of our environment, absolutely. But it's interesting, you, you know, you said in your 40s you started letting go of that stuff. Was there... What was the process of that? Did it just, did you just become aware that it really didn't serve you anymore? And how did you do that? I think, I think for me, when I, when I had my children, I think I was, I felt really kind of fulfilled. And that's kind of weird because, you know, that's a, you know, a physical thing. What, why did I fulfill? I don't know kind of thing, but I think that was almost like, that's kind of me now. That's kind of, and, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, by having children, I never wanted a life anymore. I didn't want to do anything. I don't mean that. I just meant, I just mean that I kind of felt sort of complete in a way that I'd kind of, you know, I'd sort of gone full circle and sort of that, that was kind of, you know, that was me. And, you know, then just became this person that sort of didn't really need or sort of, you know, my children fulfilled a lot kind of in, in, in me sort of emotionally, if that makes sense. And mm. I didn't, I don't think, I'd, I'd never really had that need, but I just think that was kind of a time in my life when I was, I'm really fine now, you know. I really don't need anyone, mm. you know. I am happy in this, this little life. Um, and I think, like I say, when I met my husband, probably that's what he saw in me, that I was just fine, yeah. You know, and I think that can be, you know, perhaps attractive. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, because you're yeah. not, you don't see that kind of thing in someone where they, they need something from you or, you know. Well, a lot, I think a lot of attraction can be on, on, on the level of woundedness and all different sorts yeah. of stuff. So, yeah, totally. I mean, that's, that's healthy. And, and when, yeah. you, when you see someone who is obviously happy with, who they are yeah I mean that's you know that's just brilliant isn't it and I think yeah I must have seen the same in him because I you know I wouldn't have wanted someone that kind of you know wanted anything from me 
Um, you know, and that's not to say that now, you know, our relationship is, you know, oh, you do your thing and I'll do mine, you know. No, we're very close, but we don't sort of, you know, I don't think we ever feel that we need to sort of plug any gaps kind of thing in in sort of each other. But, yeah, I I just think it's, um, yeah, for me, I just think it was um, perhaps an age thing and just having my children just, I was just kind of, I'm all right now, you know. I think I'm all right and, you know... And maybe that thing of, you know, being on my own with my children and knowing that I could do it was kind of, um, you know, just made me feel totally kind of, yeah, I am a, you know. Do you, do you think that's, I mean, because obviously we're, we, we, we're born into this life and, and, you know, we recreate and we uh, pass away. And, and that's part of a, it must be part of a cycle of inbuilt into us, you know, that, that process, haven't we? Or most people have, you know, have got inbuilt into us that process. Do you think it was just that or or was it something a lot different? I mean, we're all individual souls, in my opinion, on this journey. So I don't even know if I've framed this question in a way that you can yeah, answer it. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been kind of interested in... Um, Always interested in in religion, but never, um, you know, having any beliefs, if that makes sense. Mm. So really kind of interested in, you know, what it means, but, you know, why and and why different religions. Always been interested in sort of reading about, you know, sort of spirituality and that kind of thing. Um, I've always kind of wanted to sort of you know, learn more, you know, always been interested in sort of psychotherapy and stuff like that, although never having done any or, you know, anything like that. I, th- I think I've always had that thing of there's got to be more. There's got to be something deeper. I think I've always had that sort of feeling. And I suppose just as I've gone through life, it's just become more apparent kind of thing that there there, there is more and, and you're sort of partly responsible for, you know, how you experience that yeah absolutely um because it's there sort of for everyone but we're back to again that that kind of choice where yeah you sort of need to be able to try and just access that kind of you know that's i mean that's such a key word is is access isn't it because there's so much uh you know when we look at conditioning and and, and even labelling this stuff God or Allah or, you know, Buddha or whatever people label it as, it doesn't really matter. But I think the access is is really important. And, and you know, as you said, this stuff is there and it's kind of like it's inbuilt in us. And, mm. and I know for sure it's in me. You know, I spent my life going the, the opposite direction. But, you know, I know for sure it's in me. And and I didn't find access through through religion, and that's not you know not saying that there's anything wrong with religion, but you know they're all anything you know it, you don't need these roots to it. But I think you know if if that's how you find it, if that's where your connection comes through these roots, then great. But I think you know the fact that you know there's that dogma and there's all of that stuff around it i think you know it's it, it's it's a barrier to it as well now you know it's a barrier that people but it sounds like you've just felt into that and and that's just come naturally in. and i'm going to go back to this again when i saw you standing there you know there was just something you know and i recognize that in people you know i recognize that people have got people have got 
something special about them and, and, and whether that's just that even if it's a, an unknown quiet knowledge you know it's just there's something about that connection what people have got that connection with themselves and it's just in, you know we, it shines a light out basically it shines a light out and I think that's I, th- I think that as well that goes back to me saying you know I'm not you know I, I, I don't really like to surround myself with people I think because I, I always feel like I've been quite you know sort of intuitive where people are concerned so perhaps perhaps it is that I I see something in people and I only want to be with people that have you know kind of that I feel like I've got a connection with if that makes sense yeah, you know yeah. and I think that's where that comes from is that I'm I'm not um I'm not very interested in sort of frippery I'm, I'm quite sort of you know I, I would prefer to spend time with you know someone that's kind of that I can see something has got something, you know, in, in sort of, you know, that that's, there's a little bit more kind of thing. So, but, it, you know, going back to this sort of the whole religion thing, I was having a conversation with my father-in-law a couple of days ago and he's very religious and comes from the Salvation Army family. So total kind of, you know, that whole sort of pattern of religion has always been there. And we were talking about church and he was saying that, you know, there's, so few people now that go to church because obviously all the older generation are now kind of you know dying off and and younger people don't go to church and I was saying how you know wouldn't it be great if churches in the future were kind of used for you know much more of that kind of you know what we're talking about that sort of you know almost awareness kind of you know where people gather together to sort of share that you know rather than the story of religion or you know um because you know you can interpret religion sort of in so many different ways but it all comes down to you know that sort of that's something in you whether you call that god or you know higher power or whatever but if in the future churches were just more about people being sort of yeah aware and you know. Yeah, I think that the thing with, with, with all religions, obviously, is, you know, it's just interpretations, isn't it? It's interpretations and uh, and a lot of the interpretations are how they're portrayed or how they're preached, uh, especially for the, the generations that are coming up. There's just really no connection to it. And, and you know, it's the language is, is very inaccessible in some ways. You know, unless you've just got blind faith. But I used to, I used to work. I used to have a business in London, and I used to employ a lot of South American guys, really nice, nice people, and uh, <laughs> and they was all very, very kind of attached to the church. You know, one of my managers was like, uh, I think he wasn't a pastor, but he was like, you know, someone who, who people uh, respected in the church, and and. And, and you know, and I kind of got a lot of employees through this this process, and they was uh, and they'd go to church really regularly, and then you know I'd, I'd listen to all this stuff that they got up with and got up to, and I'd think, I think well, where was the spirituality in that, you know? But they, these are people who go to church, and I even I had another manager who worked for me, and I, I had trackers on the vehicles, and. He, you know, when when he he actually left in the end, and then he, he tried to bring a, a tribunal against us uh, and I just like went back through his tracker and, and it turned out that like probably 
at least three hours of every day that we was paying him to be working, he was parked outside this church. So, so, <laughs> so uh, we, I presented him with this information and said, look, you know, you're claiming that we, we owe you all this money and, and all this stuff and uh, account for that. And uh, well, I didn't hear, obviously didn't hear anything else. But it's just, you know, I think, and that's the thing about particularly religion, people think, you know, I'll tick this box, maybe, and maybe I'm, I'm way out of line saying this, but you know, it seemed that, that that the way that they operated was that, you know, if they tick those boxes, you well, know, they hide behind it, it, it kind don't of excused they? the yeah. behaviour that they was yeah. doing, which wasn't very spiritual. You know, wasn't very spiritual to to be sort of taking you know money off of an employer who was uh, and, and you're doing you know maybe good good work I'm sure he was doing good work in his community or whatever it was but you know it wasn't work but he was I cheating should, you yeah it wasn't work that no. I should have been paying for no so you know and I think that's the thing um, and I've just gone off on a complete tangent there but no but I think religion is interesting because you know it, it's I, I think people hide behind that you know you know, I'm religious, I go to church, I'm good, you know, and it's very, it's sort of black and white, isn't it? You know, sinners, heaven, hell, you know, it's all very kind of black and white and it's all based in fear, guilt. I mean, look at the Catholic Church, you know, the guilt that, you know, Catholics feel because of, you know, that religion. And I think that, um, you know, you, you there are definitely different ways to interpret you know some of the stuff in the bible but yeah the whole sort of religion story is um it's i hate to say it but it's outdated and it's yeah i think i think it's just you know for modern life it's become inaccessible mm. really and i think you said accessibility is is really important and you know i i think yeah i mean science is 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 kind of like the new religion in a lot of ways isn't it yeah. you know a lot of people are just but, you know, it's a completely whole level of conversation. But I think that this connection, let's get back to talking about this this intuitive connection, because that, that's, I think, you know, what what uh, it comes down to. And, and it's accessible, you know, within ourselves. I think when we when we get a lot of other stuff out of the way, you know, when, when we kind of clear our filters a bit, maybe is a good way to put it, you know, we get this intuitive part of ourselves that and and I think in that in that part of ourselves we know that you know there's there's more to this than 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 what we've settled for on the surface maybe so you know and it's difficult to I mean I'm not trying to sell this stuff to people because you know it's just about for me I, I just try to sort of like shine a light where I can with this stuff and and through lived experience because I, I you know I've no idea what god is or what higher power is you know I've, I've had my own experiences quite tangible experiences of of what that means to me but you know i'm certainly none of it's got anything to do with religion you know it's all about access and you know i can go out you know and walk around and look at the trees and, and make that contact you know just think wow you know this is just all part of something much much uh bigger than than what i am and uh and i'm just a part of it you know, I'm, I'm just another part of it. Yeah, and but I think that's why now, you know, it, it's, you know, this kind of well-being that's kind of coming through now, you know, everyone's realising that, you know, well-being is so important and they say, you know, get out in nature and people go, oh, you know, why would you do that? But it's it's actually true. You can actually be out in nature 
and you can feel differently because you're you know you are sort of if you like connecting you might not know it but you're kind of you know it is all about you know what's out there sort of thing you know yeah it's about it's about connecting to it and and I think that comes with I was running this morning and and, and when I run I, I'm kind of like I'm, at the moment, I'm just trying to run and breathe through my nose and try not to breathe through my mouth. Take your mouth. I, I've been doing that all night. <laughs> Strangely James enough, Nestor. The last, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The last uh, two nights, I've, I've I've put tape over my mouth and gone to sleep. I woke up this morning and I thought, I'm sleeping alone with my mouth taped. You know, it must be really <laughs> yeah. bizarre to people. <laughs> it might not be a good advert to my next girlfriend or whatever, you know, but... And I just, yeah, I find that stuff amusing for myself. Yeah. But anyway, getting back to the running, I was running, and uh, as I'm running, I kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm in a lot of thoughts about processing, this, you know, the workshop I'd done yesterday and, and, and thoughts about you coming today, the conversation. And then, then I have to catch myself in those thoughts as, as, as you know, constructive as they can be. I'm, I'm lusting them. And, yeah. And then so, you know, sometimes I have to literally just stop and look around at the trees and just reconnect with with the present you know just get back into yeah in into consciousness and because in those thoughts i become unconscious yeah. you know as much as as i say i could live in those thoughts if i wanted and I, I used to but it's just for me it's about you know that connection to all that is 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 now it's in the present it's in consciousness and uh it's hard i think you know i like you you know this morning i was um not running walking this morning down by the seafront and um you know and I'm sort of thinking through you know what's gone on at the weekend and you know what I've got coming up this week and you know and then you do realize that you're actually you're sort of you know you're you're lost in you know what's happened and what's going to happen and you're actually kind of walking along and not you know I realize I'm not taking in oh the tide's in today you know and whatever and you do yeah you have to sort of catch yourself and think you know how lucky am I you know it's Monday morning and I'm, you know, walking by the sea, um, you know, this is great, you know. Gratitude. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you kind of have to, you have to do that. Otherwise, you will literally get lost in, you know, past, you know, future and not be just sort of saying, you know, this is this is great, this moment kind not of thing. Not be present, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, my example I put in the book, I think, of, of that was when I kind of, kind of come out of all those years of, of addiction and that and, and just... Looked up at the, yeah, I took my dog for a walk one night and just looked up at the stars and just thought, bloody hell, where did they come from? You know, yeah. I hadn't seen them, you know, I just not noticed them. It's like yeah. you said about the tide being there. It was like just unconscious of, of you know, everything that was around me that wasn't, you know, in, in my immediate focus mm. that's, that, you know, was something that I needed or wanted. And it was just such a powerful example of like, wow. All this stuff's there, you know. Yeah. But I can choose or, or be unconscious of it being there, but it's there. It's and, still and there, just yeah. Tapping into it is is incredible. Mm. Tracy, I I think uh, I don't know how long we've been going, but I think we could probably go on forever. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just so grateful that you come along and 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 we've had the opportunity to have this chat because you. Are a really incredible person, honestly. You know, you, your resilience and and just your approach to life is 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 inspirational. And yeah, I'm so glad that I I met you and we've got to know each other. And yeah, just uh, 
it's been amazing. So, are, are you are you still kind of doing any any any, any other stuff, or you're just putting your life out there and just just kind of carrying on being your authentic self, <laughs> which is all you need to be, really. I'm just. Um you know, cliche, but just taking each day as it comes. Um, I really want to um, continue with, with Harley's space because meeting these young people in recovery is, um, has been sort of inspirational for me. It's also um, really taught me a lot um, about Harley and what, you know, what he kind of went through. Um, you know, some stuff I knew, some stuff I didn't know. Um, but I think you know it's I've sort of asked myself is is it selfish that I'm doing this because am I doing it for me or am I doing it for um you know the people that are coming to the service kind of thing and I've sort of at the end of the day I think it it doesn't really matter I think I'm doing it for me and kind of for them so I think you know it's just hopefully you know I meet people they meet me they meet other people and we all help each other so yeah, I think it's. I think it's. It is. I think there's a balance to everything, and there's you know there's polarities of yeah. everything. But you know, I think it, it, it sounds like you've come to a place in your life where it's not about you anymore. It's about what you can do with you know what you can give to other people, and 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 certainly we we receive in that. Yeah, you know, we receive what yeah. we need in that as well. So it, it is. It, you know, it's, it's a flow. It goes isn't both it? ways. It's just yeah. a flow. Yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not about but, you know looking yeah. at one way or the other it's just a flow of natural a, a, a beautifully naturally place of balance really and uh so yeah i'm just seeing kind of where you know where life takes me now yeah and it'll be interesting to i mean i'll follow you, do you i mean do you want to put your uh instagram out there so people might be interested in kind of just following you it's up to you um i'm not a i'm not a great poster but i um i think i shall learn well, from you Steve. <laughs> yeah but i think uh you know you you really hold, hold a light for a lot of stuff and you know i'm sure people will be interested in following you i can put your your instagram link out when i put this out or yeah, yeah I, I don't. I don't even know what it is because that's how much I post. <laughs> but it's nice to. Uh, it's. I mean, it, you know, that's one thing about Instagram that I find and all of that stuff that you, there. When you're doing this kind of stuff, obviously there's a certain amount of self promotion. But you know, it's like I only want to put stuff that's authentic out there. I yeah. don't want to be putting like ja ja jumping up and down, no, and being no. out there every day. You know, I just put stuff that means something yeah, to me. Yeah, so. people might find interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it, so it's it's good that you know you don't. There's people who don't need to be putting stuff out there. As you said, you don't need to be around a lot of people. You're happy with yourself, but you know, I think just coming on here and sharing your experience is just incredible. You know, it's just so valuable to people. And I'm really, really grateful. Thank you. Really, really enjoyed grateful. it. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, anything else you want to kind of put in on the end, or are we good? I think we're good. Okay. I never know how to wind these things up, to be <laughs> honest. But it's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, thank Likewise. you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Copy Guide to Enlightenment with me, Stephen Rosen. Thanks for your time and. Please don't forget to share this episode with friends, uh, press the follow button and you can connect with me at Cockney Profit on social media. 
It's been great to have your company. Take care and I look forward to you joining us for the next enlightening conversation. Cheers.